what it comes down to, Gavin, it's about delivering true value, actually helping to answer questions, really giving them meaningful ideas that's really tailored and speaking to their issues, their business, as opposed to generic fluff um, that is either too generic, it's not deep enough, it's not answering their issues, their specific questions. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Do you really listen to what your customers are looking for? And the new norm in the changing business environment that we find ourselves working in, do you help them when they're searching as an educated prospect or an educated customer? Do you help them make sense of all this <laughs> uh, deluge of information that's published on social media channels, LinkedIn in particular? Do you help them make sense? Do you help them build a roadmap? Are you tapping into the power of customer advocacy in order to be able to really develop trust and credibility in the eyes of your prospects? Well, today's interview conversation with Michael Haynes will address all of those points around in, in the context of a B2B business and about how you can better engage with customers and prospects B2B Hey, Gavin here, Business Mastermind Podcast. I am really looking forward to this conversation. We're reaching to um, the Southern Hemisphere to chat with Michael Haynes. He is a SME business growth specialist. He's a real pragmatist and he focuses on working with CEOs of service-based businesses between 10 and 150 employees. His focus is B2B. That's something that's, um, you know, I would grow, grew up in that kind of B2B environment in large corporate before working in, in SMEs. And that's something that's really close to my heart. And he helps the CEOs of these service-based businesses achieve growth uh, through innovation and sales. He's the author of Listen, Innovate, Grow, uh, a guidebook for startups and SMEs to acquire and grow business-to-business customers. And of course, he's based in Sydney in Australia. And so welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast, Michael. Thanks for having me, Gavin. It's great to be here. So um, your sweet spot then, so that people understand the lane that you sort of uh, st stick in in terms of the business owners you help, your target customers, your ideal target client is who? So my ideal uh, target clients are the uh, CEOs of SMEs in that 10 to 150 staff of service-based organizations. That's my sweet spot. So professional services, financial services, IT, telco, education, transportation, working with those senior leaders and their senior teams to help them acquire and retain those B2B clients and grow their businesses. That's fantastic. So um, what are we we're going to talk about today? A number of different things is around what businesses can now expect in the new norm, how SMEs are going to need to uh, innovate to drive growth and some marketing strategies that they're, that they're missing. But we just got a little bit animated in our conversation pre-pressing record around um, B2B strategies for growth versus tactics on social media. So I'd love your, I almost wish I'd, I'd secretly press record before I did because I would love to, uh, that, that was 
gold what you shared. So share your observations of what you've seen with other some other CEOs of uh, SEO of uh, uh, CEOs of SMEs. Sure, Gavin. So um, what I've been really observing over the past year, uh, because I'm very big on listening, we've really got to get understanding of our market, of our buyers. My target buyers being SME CEOs, really been reaching out to understand what they've been seeking and, um, and what they've been seeking. And what I've been finding is that very much so is, what, is that there's been, uh, they've been inundated with content. They have just been getting content left, right and center, what I call content vomit. And they want, what they're looking for is sense making and road mapping. And all they've been getting is, is lots of, of content that's being bombarded at them. And then also a lot of people that wanting to connect one minute and then next thing they're trying to sell. So a lot of SME CEOs are moving away from LinkedIn because they're just getting inundated with lots of sales pitches disguised in various ways and just getting all sorts of content. Uh, all that appearing to come from thought leaders and experts but it's just confusing them and it's not giving them a clear view as to what to move and, and how to move forward. And that's really what business customers, what CEOs, senior leaders are looking for now is that make sense of all this content. Tell me what's relevant for me and what do I need to do? What's my roadmap to achieve my objectives, whether it be business recovery, business growth. And now how do you help clients help CEOs with that problem, the sense making, the road mapping? So yeah, so very much what I uh, what I like to do is first of all is making sure that they're very clear in terms of a having an understanding of their objectives. Uh, first step though is listening, uh, and listening you need to be listening on three levels: making sure that they have that clear, in-depth understanding of themselves, which I call listening to you. So you understand the goals, the visions of your company. What are the strengths? Where have you had success and wins? Making sure there's clarity around that. Secondly, we need to be listening to the market. So making sure we have an understanding of what's going on in those current industry uh, verticals and geographies that we're operating and those that we're aspiring to. Having an understanding of the competition from a customer perspective, understanding what's going on, what are the general trends, what are the developments uh, that are an economic environment in those markets we're currently and uh, looking to operate in future. And then thirdly, I'm making sure is that they are listening to business customers. Now, Gavin, this is where many organizations get it wrong because when they think listening to customers, they often think at the organizational level, at the company level. Oh, if I'm targeting to get into the uh, IT department of British Airways, I just need to understand the organization, its objectives and all that. Yes, you do, but you need to go one step further and understand the buyers. So for your particular product and service offering, who are those groups of individuals that are going to be involved in the decision making? Who are they? What are their priorities? And how they buy? We have to have clarity on those because it's at that level you'll be able to really zero in to know where you need to focus and what do you need to do, i.e. business innovate in order to acquire, retain and grow those clients. So I make work with them to make sure that they have clarity of understanding across those areas and where there is gaps, we try to fill those gaps. Then we determine what's the roadmap, the playbook to determine how they're gonna win, which could be to retain and increase spending of current clients and or acquire new ones as well. And what sort of strategies are you finding are gaining traction now, B2B in terms of gaining new clients? 
in terms of gaining new clients, uh, it's it's a bit of a whole, it's a um, multifaceted approach. So in terms of where they often need to innovate, it's often introducing things on multiple levels. One could be around product extension. So really improving their product and service offering, often adding some value adds, particularly if they're targeting senior leaders, they're looking for engagement, education, information and advice. So offering those kinds of additional add-ons like training consulting, uh, VIP days, uh, access to industry leaders, adding those on in addition to your um, core products and service offerings. That's one element that is uh, very effective. Uh, organizational innovations like partnerships, strategic alliances. So you're aligning with other, uh, with either your potential, your, with either your clients, uh, uh, stakeholders, other stakeholders such as uh, suppliers as well, and co-creating content, co-creating offerings. That is working to proven to be quite well. Uh, then some of your strategic marketing strategies, your B2B specific strategies, uh, such as influencer marketing and advocacy marketing, which are two really low cost and highly effective ways to uh, build and grow your business. So it's really about taking a um, uh, innovating and introducing multiple approaches based on understanding the goals you have and the needs of your markets and your customers. But those are some of the ones that I've been seeing um, working together in tandem that are working quite well to really help uh, SMEs businesses move forward in a B2B context. I want to come back to some of those three key areas you mentioned there, product extension, partnership and strategic alliances, and influencer and advocacy marketing. So I'll come back to those. Before I do, what do you think, you know, you use a phrase in our conversation beforehand was around the new norm and what businesses, what business customers now expect in the new norm. So do you want to elaborate that? So yeah, so your business customers, your business buyers now, the, the bar has been raised because um, even before all of this, you know, COVID mayhem, the, the dynamics and the behaviors of business buyers, decision makers has changed fundamentally. They do a lot of their own research uh, in terms of trying to formulate uh, potential solutions, identify products and service providers. So they're doing their own research before they wanna to talk to anyone. Now what they're really looking for, given all of the uncertainty and flux that has occurred, they really want to be making, as I said before, Making, making sense of all the different content they've been seeing, all the different point of views that they've been getting from thought leaders, experts, economists. They want uh, someone to help them make sense of that and help them determine what does this mean for my business if I'm looking to grow and expand and what are the ways to do so. So they're really looking for products and service providers to be those strategic partners and advisors to help them really move along and meet those strategic objectives, guide them and work with them. So that's really what they're expecting now. So what, what does that look like? I love that I, love that I completely buy into and agree with that philosophy that they're looking for service and product providers to be strategic partners. So practically, what does that look like? You know, let, let, let's take a, a couple of different examples. You might have um, in a manufacturing organization, you might have a consultancy that specialize in Six Sigma and Lean that are advising on improving, uh, improving the manufacturing processes. On the one hand, on the other hand, you might have um, a supplier of, I don't know, a raw material, an ingredient, or, or, or anything from stationary to a, to a raw material in the manufacturing process, or um, recruiter in the service industry. So they're a provider of a resource. Um, what does a strategic partnership look like in that supplier-customer relationship? 
Sure. So let me give you an example with one of my clients that I've been working with. So I've been working with a, a telecommunications company based up in Toronto for quite some time. Uh, they provide a lot of managed services um, and uh, IT strategy services to uh, fellow SMEs. So one of the things that they have been doing is doing strategic workshops. So bringing in members of their team with members of the client team and having half day sessions, uh, which have been both an exchange of information um, and doing some working with them, working through, telling them what their roadmaps, what are what they've been working on, what are their challenges, and working with the clients in those kinds of, in a strategic half day kind of workshop to work through some of the key priorities uh, of what that client is trying to achieve and how the consulting firm can work with them and bring to light to them some of the key things that they need to know to move forward. So that's one example of having what we call a strategic customer workshop is a program which uh, one of my clients in Toronto is doing with some of their key uh, clients. So that's one example. Um, other can be very much through content, the kinds of content that you're delivering, making sure that it's really a value add, that it's really educating and asking, answering some of those key questions that your customers are looking for, um, depending on, so that could be things like uh, white paper, it could be a diagnostic tool to enable them to do certain calculations to understand what are the impacts of what they're gonna be moving forward and trying to achieve. So um, certain kinds of content could be one, uh, workshops is, is definitely uh, another type that you can do as well. So I just wanted to uh, agree, and I wanted to counter that against what you were saying about um, a lot of the noise on LinkedIn and kind of like information overload with content. So if an organization looking to seek uh, more uh, B2B clients, customers, um, want to get traction or cut through with that content, what should they do? Well, what they, what they have to be doing, Gavin, is they definitely need to be making sure that they are talking, doing their research and talking to the decision makers within the organization, understanding who is involved and what are the kinds of things that they are seeking and looking at and how they make decisions. What do they like to be uh, looking at? Uh, and depending who's a member of that decision-making team, uh, making sure that you understand those different um, constituents and how they make decisions and different kinds of content. Because you might have, as part of that buying decision-making group, it could be someone from finance who's very interested in understanding uh, performance stats and, and quantitative metrics versus you might have someone um, the, the CEO who, who's maybe looking for more ideas about how to take their business to the next level. And so it's looking more in this terms of, uh, uh, of that roadmap, that action plan to move forward. So making sure you understand who are those constituents and then making sure you provide the right kinds of content that those uh, that they're looking for in conjunction with their objectives. And how do you get that content in front of them? Given the earlier comment that you see more and more CEOs turning away from LinkedIn, turning away from social because of the noise on there, um, how do you get that? Let, let's just make the assumption that you are producing relevant content that really hits the mark for your target customer. How do you get that in front of them? Um, well, well, two things. One, you need to understand how your constituents, um, how those target decision makers, where they go and seek for information. Social media is not the only uh, place that they look. Uh, often they are often heavily involved in their industry and professional associations. So understanding are there certain events, certain publications, uh, uh, event publications that they attend and participate in, uh, 
Are they reading certain blogs, certain podcasts? So making sure you're visible where they're actually seeking for information. So your industry and professional associations is one. But also, Gavin, do not be afraid. There's nothing wrong and you should actually uh, get the contact details of those target decision makers and make an outreach to them and actually put that relevant piece of content that's gonna provide value and send it to them in the mail and follow up. Because um, if you provide meaningful content and when you do so, and I've done this myself with target uh, clients that I've wanted to seek, I've reached out to them and I've said, okay, here is a certain, uh, a certain white paper. This is relevant to you because I think uh, ideas two and three are going to apply to those growth objectives. I've sent that to them, sent it to them express mail, done the follow-up with the EA, and then set the conversation. So it is not all about social. It is about where you can make direct contact to those uh, target uh, decision makers to reach out to them, doing that follow-up, but then looking at the other channels, other places where they go and seek for information. It's kind of, because some of the old school methodologies of actually lumpy mail through the post and then outreach for the follow-up with a phone call, the way that business used to be done, you know, uh, 10, 20 years ago is coming back because a lot of people, you know, you, uh, maybe it's a generational thing, but are turning back to traditional business. Uh, I think it's that, but it's also what it comes down to, Gavin, it's about delivering true value, actually helping to answer questions, really giving them meaningful ideas that's really tailored and speaking to their issues, their business, as opposed to generic fluff um, that is either too generic, it's not deep enough, it's not answering their issues, their specific questions. So uh, with, with that relevant content, if you, you, know, you, you joining the dots for your customers, are there, do you have like a little formula that you use to help you help your clients produce the relevant information that's gonna, relevant content that's gonna grab the attention of a target customer? So the determining what content and how to approach them all comes through from doing, doing your research. So it's from doing that research, making sure you're understanding what's happening in that industry, what's happening with that company. Um, so that's where you're doing your research and looking through, uh, going onto the industry association websites, looking at, um, you might be dialing into some of their events, checking out some of those target decision makers that you're going after, uh, looking at their profiles on LinkedIn, seeing what they're doing, what are they focusing on, what is their company focusing on, where you have the opportunity to reach and have a conversation with people within that industry, with contacts that you have within the industry, with those individuals, you definitely wanted to be doing so, because that's where you're going to be building up uh, an understanding of what, what's important, what's resonating, and what exactly they're looking for. So it, it's doing that research and where you have the opportunity to interact, engage, and have conversation, and then distilling from that, what do you need to focus on and what's the best means to do so? How can businesses innovate to stimulate growth? So there are a number of ways you can innovate. And so first off, really wanna make it clear that innovation is not invention because often people think innovate, they automatically think invention and they automatically think about technology. When I talk about innovation, Gavin, I'm talking about business innovation. And the definition of business innovation is either new introductions and or improvements that you're making within your business. And you can do so across a number of areas. Yes, it can be technology. Yes, it can be products in terms of either introducing new products and service offerings and or improving your product and service offerings. But it can be some of those other methods that I've spoke about as well. So process innovation. So improving your systems and processes and or introducing new ones, that's another kind. 
organizational innovation. So joint ventures, strategic partnerships, co-creating with your customers, another way of doing so. Marketing innovation. So introducing new marketing strategies. Uh, and in B2B, you should be looking at some B2B specific ones as well. So it's making those new introductions and you might get that, and these can be new to your company, they can be new to your industry. Um, so it's introductions and or improvements that you make into the business based on market, customer, and buyer need. Great. And um, I know that a lot of businesses over the last 12, 18 months will have, will have been innovating. Um, now, you use the theme throughout all of this based on research, based on listening. You mentioned earlier on that you're seeing workshops taking place between some customers and key suppliers where they're co-creating strategies and the, 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 that, that relationship where they're working out the future about how they can best serve each other going forward. So it's a very proactive, uh, engaging way of doing things that I, I'm a massive fan of and I, and I love. Um, you mentioned product extension earlier on, strategic partnerships. You've elaborated and given some examples about that. But when you, you, you've also mentioned the phrase co-creating offerings on, on two or three occasions. So just explain that a little bit more. So, so co-creating is about you, you're working with, you know, you'll work with one, one or more of your strategic um, clients and customers that you really want to do further business with uh, to develop a new offering um, that you can use to work with them and sell to them and ideally be able to use that same solution and be able to apply it to other customers. Uh, so for example, I worked with an IT company who had a retailer and they developed a reporting system. And so they co-created with this particular retailer to develop a fairly sophisticated knowledge management system um, to be able to uh, house customer insight and disperse it within the organization. So they co-created and work quite closely with this particular client, but then they were then able to take that same kind of offering and, and use it and roll it up to some other retailers as well as customers in other industries as well. So co-creating is really good because A, it really uh, makes the customers quite sticky and quite loyal and they'll really work quite well with you. But if you do so in a way that you're able to leverage it and apply it to other markets, other, other industries, other geographies, then it's, it's, a, it's a double win because then you're driving growth because then you now have an offering that you can take uh, to other segments of the market. Right. Great, I love that. You mentioned earlier on about advocacy uh, marketing. I've seen that work with a number of large corporate clients I've worked with. I've seen that work very, very effectively in the SME space. Um, explain what that is for those that are listening who don't know what advocacy marketing is. So advocacy marketing is really all about leveraging your existing colleagues, clients, um, those that are show, showing you love your raving fans and really using those advocates to drive growth um, of your business. And it is really effective in B2B. Um, one of the key, often key tools of advocacy is referrals, uh, is setting up a referral program. And referrals are phenomenal in B2B because when business decision makers are looking to buy, one of the first things that they often do, uh, in addition to often before they even go on Google and start searching, is they'll talk to their colleagues and they'll say, who do you know that can do X? So referrals is fantastic. The key to me making that um, very effective is that you wanna set up a referral program and making it easy for your clients, for your colleagues to be able to refer. So making sure it's very clear that you, you identify 
who do you want as referrals? What type of companies? Um, you know, what kind of titles? Who within the organization do you want? Do you want senior managers? Do you want the uh, do you want MDs? Uh, what kind of problems are you looking to solve? Making sure so making sure that's very clear so that your referees are clear on who they should be looking for. Then making it, making it easy for them to refer. So is it a matter of setting up some email templates so they just have to kind of go populate a couple areas, press send, or you might have a portal set up so that they can just go online uh, to a, a landing page, put in the details and off you go. Um, it might be by phone, but whatever that process is, based on who you're targeting, you wanna make it easy to refer. And then the third element of having a good referral program is making sure that you've got a central point of contact within your organization to capture those referrals, making sure that you're following up with the leads that you're getting, but also going back to the person that referred you to say thanks, um, you know, and what's happened. So those are kind of the key elements, but referrals are so impactful because that's what business buyers, particularly now in this environment, are often doing. They often want, you know, they're asking that question, who they talk to. So referrals is a big one. Another one is references, where um, you're leveraging, again, those clients uh, who are showing you the love that they can be used in reference programs, such as being able to call up existing clients. So if you're a prospect can call an existing client and say, what was it like to work with Gavin on that strategy project? So having a few of your key clients there that they can um, call and get that honest feedback and ask those nitty gritty questions. Okay, so what it's like to work with, with, with Gavin? You know, what's he like? You know, what are his workshops like? What did you get out of it? That's really impactful. Then the likes of your testimonials, your case studies as well. Those are really good. Um, also forms of references. Uh, getting them to uh, speak at your events, um, being involved with media, uh, media opportunities as well. So these are just some of the things that you can be doing as part of, again, your formal advocacy programs uh, to really be able to leverage the, these existing clients and relationships to help drive drive growth. Yeah, I, and I've actually seen, you know, when we're all allowed to meet together in person, um, you know, advocacy dinners working very, very well, where you put in the, put around the table, um, existing fans out of your customer client base, and then a few prospects, and then the natural getting to know you conversations take place over dinner and individuals then, you know, can ask quietly, you know, well, what's it really like working with? And, yeah. and, and they can work very, very effectively. Have you seen examples of those kind of like advocacy events being done, you know, remotely on Zoom and things like that? Yes, actually, Gavin, I was going to say, I have been seeing those being done on Zoom, um, being done, yeah, virtually. Uh, often they'll, they'll run these kinds of events and then they'll bring in some kind of special event or activity uh, as part of it. For example, I know of um, leveraging the kind of the whole online dining experience. For, for example, their uh, colleague of mine in Canada runs a business called Cheftorial and often companies will bring in Cheftorial as part of the workshops, interactive sessions, as part of the fun event. They bring in a chef from some part of the world to do an online tutorial session and everyone's there remotely trying out and learning how to make new meals and those kinds of things. So, um, so integrating, and there's another company I know in San Francisco that helps businesses kind of bring the fun element to engage, to foster that engagement, that networking and interaction. So the, it, it's happening in an online environment already now um, as well. Right, and, and that's massively important for building relationships, but also uh, allowing for the informal conversations to take place between an existing customer and a prospective customer. Easier face-to-face, -face, obviously, for that naturally to happen than you know the manufactured environment in the online space. But uh, if there's a connection there that's created online, then obviously there's a follow-up phone call that can take place between those people afterwards that will 
allow, allow those conversations. So what's it really like working with them? But, but Gavin, I will tell you, I've seen with a number of my clients where um, prospects have just have, have been very direct and said, I'd like, can you give me the names of two or three clients that I can speak with? Um, so it's often being done very, very in a very transparent manner um, where they're saying, can I talk to a couple? I've had to do references uh, for colleagues as well. Um, so it's often being done very upfront. They said, you know, can you give me the names of two people? I can have a 10, 15 minute conversation phone or Zoom. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's very open and transparent. Now you mentioned yeah. earlier on about influencer marketing, which some listening may uh, see a, potentially up an apparent contradiction with your thing about uh, CEOs of SMEs moving away from LinkedIn and social because of the noise and the distraction. So um, is there still a place for influencer marketing? And if so, okay. how? So, yes, there is, Gavin. And let me clarify, when I'm talking about influencer marketing in a B2B context, uh, first of all, influencer marketing and B2B content, I'm really talking about micro-influencers. And when I'm talking about micro-influencers, it's really talking about in your world, within your industry, who are the go-to? So who are the ones that are, you know, within your industry and professional associations, they're often the ones, um, you know, at those e events, virtual or online, they're the ones that are writing the articles. Um, who are the ones that are hosting the blogs, the podcasts? Who are the ones that are being featured in your various uh, business publication magazines? So these are the go-tos that within your industry, they're well known. To 99.5% of the population, they would have no clue who they are. And it's about going and um, outreaching to them and connecting with them, which you often can do directly. Again, this is not something that has to be done uh, online uh, through LinkedIn. With my clients, when we're looking to set up micro-influencer uh, relationships and programs, we do that strictly um, away from social media and we look at other channels and how to reach outreach directly. But it's really talking about finding the go-tos for your industry uh, within your world and, and who are the ones that your buyers, that your target buyers go to for advice, insights, and recommendations. So it's a very different context. And these are often people that in terms of social media, uh, followers and following, they're often ones that have a very small uh, niche. So they may only have a couple thousand followers, but they are highly regarded within their own realm. At, um, and that's uh, are the people that you're talking about. And what's your suggested uh, approach to them? So a suggested approach is that you, you have to do your research about them because you need to demonstrate, because if you're going to be looking to collaborate with them, to uh, share content, to maybe co-create and do a live stream or write an article, what have you, you need to demonstrate how there's going to be a mutual value, how it's going to benefit them by working with you. So you need to do your research. Uh, so that could be by start off by going on their LinkedIn profile, checking out their website, looking at what is their, you know, what, what is their body of work that they've done uh, through their blogs or po podcasts, whatever content, what's their perspective, and then really determining who is their target audience, who are they trying to seek, and then really identifying what are those mutual win-win opportunities of how you can collaborate together, which could be sharing content, it could be making introductions to to your own network, um, it, you might get them to do a review of your of your product and service. But really determining what's the value, how you can benefit them and their audience, and what they're trying to achieve. Fantastic, fantastic. And then, uh, then you go back to that whole idea about co-creation. You create a strategic partnership with them, and you're co-creating something that's a win-win for both parties. Yeah, 
and 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 it, and it can be and that's massive opportunities and massive benefits for both parties because these micro influencers are often always looking to they're trying to often to get, break into new audiences they're often trying to build and deliver more perspective and value to their uh, their audiences as well as being thought leaders and you know experts in their respective industries and niches so uh, that co-creation and working together sharing content sharing contacts uh, working together can be a really win-win uh, and be effective for the entrepreneur to get that reach visibility and credibility in those industries and niches that they're looking for and it can be of added uh, value as well uh, in enhancing um, the activities brand and reputation of those micro influencers fantastic we covered a lot of ground um, you know, we talked about the importance of listening, shared with about innovation through product extension or innovation through process efficiency. We shared with um, the listeners around areas around uh, the importance of co-creating with strategic partners and creating a partnership model with suppliers and with customers going forward. And um, the importance of actually putting through to your potential buyers by the research and then you know, old school, lumpy mail or outreach directly to a target customer, B2B customer, in order to be able uh, to get some traction and not forgetting the importance of advocacy and um, micro niche sort of um, go to people within your industry. So, Michael Haynes, thank you so much. Now, if anybody wants to find out more about what you do and with your clients on a global basis, how can they find out? Uh, so the best place is my website is listeninnovategrow.com and there on the website there is a range of content articles videos um, there's also a checklist that you can get uh, which is gives you an assessment a uh, quick assessment of your own business and where you're at with respect to growth in the b2b context so that's listeninnovategrow.com michael thank you so much for your time today uh, and for joining me and our listeners on the business mastermind You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact. <laughs>